Good morning, everybody. Um, first of all, I, I'm just I'm blown away by the worship. That was just phenomenal. And uh, I am so thankful that God has given us um, voices and hearts and talents to worship him with. And, uh, and every time we get to do that is just a, a privilege. And I just, uh, I was ready to stop the service right there and, you know, keep on going. Anyway, there was one other thing that, that we wanted to mention, and Denise Schwartz was going to talk a little bit about um, something that's coming up here, so we'll give her a chance to do that. Uh, when we have as many things going on as we do here at Family Bible Church, it's kind of hard to keep announcements short, um, but praise God, that's cool. So anyway, Denise. Just a reminder for those that have volunteered, I greatly appreciate for Thursday night for their relevant pregnancy center for either serving or if you're hosting a table. If you're serving, I ask that you'd be there by 545, black pants, white shirt, and we'll serve the people. And then once we are done, we will have pizza for everybody that is helping out. And if you'd like to speak, to, listen to the speaker, you're more than welcome to listen to the speaker. Or if you need to leave because you have children at home that need homework done, that's totally up to you. But if you can be there by, six, by 545, I'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks. Okay, um, let's start off with a word of prayer if we could. Heavenly Father, um, I'll try and keep this short, but uh, we thank you, Lord, uh, for being our God. We thank you for your word, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move in our hearts and our minds this morning to convey to us the power of your word and what that means to us in a real and deep way. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, I got a little thing here. You got something? Uh, I was. The blast uh, kids can go and uh, and the helpers. Mike took the words right out of my mouth. Anyway, uh, as as Corey said, I'm kind of pinch hitting uh, for Bill today. Um, it's kind of a neat thing that we have a body um, of believers that we can draw from the bench. We have a lot of utility players. That's what I am. I'm a utility player. Um, but a lot of folks that can, can do different things, and I'm uh, honored to be able to, to do this. Oh, yeah. See, the music is really good because it, it makes everybody think that I'm going to be a really cool speaker. Um, that's not going to last very long. Okay, we're continuing on with uh, Joshua, and we're going to be talking about Achan's sin. It's uh, Joshua 6, 1 to 27, page 151, if you're using our Bibles here. We have a New International Version, and I've got some scripture on the slides so that uh, you can see it there too if you, if you want. Okay, starting right up. And just so everybody knows, um, in preparation for this, it took me about an hour and a half just to figure out and learn how to pronounce H. And, um, you know, I had to go and find all these references and everything, but nothing told you how to pronounce it. And then there was one that, that said, this is how you pronounce it, H. And so anyway, that's how you say it. 
Okay, here, here's a quick little um, outline of what we're going to go through, and I've got you know slides for this too, but to give you a kind of an idea where we're headed today. Okay, so what happened? Um, first of all, um, I always like to get audience participation. Okay, it relieves the stress from me. So would somebody like to read that scripture from Joshua 7 for us? Don't be bashful. Thank you, Carrie. I'll come right back here with the microphone so we can hear you. The whole thing? The whole thing. Oh, maybe I shouldn't. Okay, um, this is 7, 1 through 26. But the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regard to the devoted things. Achan, 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 son of Carmi, the son of Zermai, and the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel, and told them, Go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. When, the, when they returned to Joshua, they said, Not all the people will go up against Ai. Send two or three thousand men to take it, and do not weary all the people, for only a few men are there. So about three thousand men went up, but they were... They were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and stuck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down on the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did, not, or did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Ah, oh, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. O oh Lord, what can I say now that, that Israel has been routed by, rooted by, the, by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this, and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? The Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. Why are you what are you doing on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen, they have lied, and they have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Go, consecrate the people, Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. That which is devoted is, am is among you, O Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove it. In the morning, present yourselves tribe by tribe. The tribe that the Lord takes shall come forward clan by clan. The clan that the Lord takes shall come forward family by family. And the family the Lord takes shall come forward man by man. He who is caught with a devoted thing shall be destroyed by fire along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. Early in the next morning, Joshua and Israel came forward, had Israel come forward tribe by tribe, and Judah was taken. The clans of Judah came forward, and he took the Zerites. He had the clan of the Zerites come forward by families, and the Zimri was taken. Joshua and his family came forward had his family come forward man by man, and Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zermai, and the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give him the praise. 
Tell me, what have you done? Do not hide it from me. Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw, when I, what I saw, the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to his tent and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua, and the Israelites spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua, together with all of Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver and the robe, the gold wedge, and his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys, and sheep, his tent, and all that he had to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him, and after they had stoned the rest, they burned them over Achan, Achan, they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. Didn't realize what you're getting into there, did you? That's a long scripture, but um, it's a very interesting story. And now, because God's word has been read in public, it will not go away void. So, we've had a good, good sermon, right? Okay. Any questions? No. Um, okay, so what happened? Um, essentially, Israel had just come off of the defeat of Jericho, right? This huge victory, this wonderful, miraculous thing that nobody expected. Um, and it was done in such a way that was not normally accomplished militarily. You know, people marched around the city singing praise and they won. Wow, that's not a normal military uh, uh, tactic. But... Um, this scripture starts with the word but, okay? And the reason is because usually we have a, a series of um, peaks and valleys in our, in our walk. And I've got there that uh, the story of Israel is kind of an analogy of our individual walks with God and the corporate uh, body walk with God. So we can look to the history of Israel to see um, kind of foreshadowing and, and things that are going to happen for us if we're, you know, not paying attention. But it starts with the word but, because they came off of Jericho, this great victory, and then messed up. Okay? They went out to uh, fight the, uh, uh, against the city of Ai and were roundly defeated. In fact, they went into it being very confident that they could do it with just 3,000 guys. They didn't have to take the whole army. Just take a division you know, just take a, a platoon or a squad or whatever. Take them over there. We'll take those guys out because it, it'll be easy. And they got beat. They got beat bad. Um, and there was a reason for it. Okay, it talks about devoted things there, the Hebrew term. Um, it talks about destroying things totally. And that's what, what that term means in the Old Testament. When something is devoted to God, it's going to be destroyed totally. And if you remember... In uh, the Battle of Jericho, they destroyed everything. The cattle, you know, everybody was killed except for Rahab's family, right? So everything was totally destroyed because that's what God told them to do. Um, except that Achan held something back, okay? So what was the sin? What did Achan do? Um, and he said himself in, in his confession there at the end, he says, yes, I did it. I saw these things, the beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver, a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and took them. Okay, so he took them for himself. 
And all these things were supposed to be devoted things for God. Okay? Why didn't anybody else do that? Why is it just one person who committed this sin? Well, if you look back in uh, Joshua 6, God is very explicit. He tells them, but keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking it of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. And if you recall, at the end of that scripture, Joshua asks Achan, why did you bring this trouble upon us? Okay? Re reiterating what God had said earlier in chapter 6. So nobody else committed this sin. They obeyed what God's word was in chapter 6. But Achan uh, decided to be disobedient and took some things for himself. So why did he do it? What do you think motivated him? Okay. Um, well, he says there, I coveted them. He wanted them for himself. So it comes down to the same old story. Everything that we run up against in our lives as Christians and, and believers and disciples of Jesus is that there's a battle between us and God. And when we win out, when we choose things for ourselves, that's sin. And so that's what H.N. did. He, he was motivated by the desire to have those things for himself, not for God's glory. Okay? Um, so what was the result? In uh, chapter 7, verse 1, it says the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now, why didn't it say the Lord's anger burned against Achan? You know, Achan was the one who committed the sin. You know, why not just have his anger burn against uh, Achan? Um, it also says that they, they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city. The Israelites got spanked. They got spanked bad. Okay? And, and they had been, if you recall, they had been uh, victorious everywhere they've been going. They've been tearing it up. You know, they were on a winning streak. They were, you know, beating everybody um, and doing it in a way that the rest of the country surrounding uh, was in fear of the Israelites. Okay? So now, all of a sudden, they get spanked by the people of Ai, and they get sent running. Okay? So that's the result of what happened with this sin. Okay, and this kind of gets to the this whole notion of individual versus corporate sin. You know, it's kind of hard to, to um, you know, see because of this encounter where they blur, you know. Um, you know, how many people actually committed the sin? One person, agent. It, it didn't even talk about his family being involved in it, right? I don't know if his wife even knew about it. It was just agent, one person. So how many people were affected? It was the whole nation of Israel. In fact, 36 warriors were killed as a result of this sin. Um, how many people paid the price at the end of it all? Who got stoned and burned and buried in the Valley of Achor? Achan's whole family. Okay? So at some point, at some point, it, it went from being something that one man committed and paid for to several people paying for. Okay? So, is this fair? I'm not looking for a show of hands, okay? But that question often comes up. Is this fair? And, and the fact that we ask ourselves this question, I think, is indicative of some of our own thinking being a little bit wrong, okay? When we start to question whether God is fair, well, then who are we putting in charge, 
we're putting ourselves in charge. We're judging God in his fairness. There's a lot of stuff that happens, uh, and it's not just the Old Testament. There are a lot of people who say, well, you know, the God of the Old Testament, as if he's a different God, you know, was harsh and judgmental and all that. The God of the New Testament, as if he's a different God, you know, is kind and loving and you know, all this kind of stuff. It's the same God all the way through. No change. God is just. God is fair. Um, because who determines what's fair? God does. Okay? But in our culture today, we have kind of taken this assumption that we are the, the ultimate arbiters of fairness. And so I put that question up there, is this fair, just so that we could realize that sometimes we fall into that trap ourselves, where we start judging God uh, and wondering, is he really fair? And that's not really our place to, to judge. Okay, so how does individual sin now become corporate? I, I don't have an answer to that question, but it happens, obviously, because Achan's individual sin became a corporate sin because God said his anger burned against the nation of Israel. And he says, Israel has sinned. So at some point, individual sin becomes corporate, or there is a corporate effect. Okay, And I think that's one of the things that we have been kind of, you know, fooled into thinking is that uh, our walk, our personal faith, our behavior is all personal and there is no effect outside of us. Well, according to this, that's not true, is it? Um, what we do, the sins we commit, even though we may try and commit them in the dark corners of our lives where nobody can see it and we think God can't see it sometimes, even when we do it at that point, other people are affected. Other people are affected by our sin. So there's no such thing really as an individual sin having no effect outside of just the person. Okay, We are a body. We, are, we, we do affect each other, whether we know it or not. Do you think Achan had any idea that his taking that gold and silver and that robe was going to affect Israel and have an effect on how successful they were in battle? I don't think he knew that. I don't think he had any idea. But that's what happened. Okay? All right, so what is Israel's response? When they go to Ai and they, they get routed and chased away, you know, how do they respond? And it says right there, at, the, at this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. Okay, here is this nation that was being victorious in many, many battles, and, and, and they had just, again, come off of Jericho. I mean, that should have been just a huge... Um, you know, faith builder in, in their God, their, uh, the God of Israel being faithful to them, and yet they have this one defeat and their, whole, their hearts melt like water. Okay, that's, that's a pretty sudden turnaround, right? Okay, how about Joshua's response? Okay, Joshua, the leader of the people after this defeat, you know, what happens there? Well, he tore his clothes and fell down to the ground. He was... Um, he was distraught with what was going on. He didn't know what was happening. Okay? He wasn't aware of Achan's sin. He didn't know what Achan had done. Um, but he just knows that God had spoken to him and said, I will be with you. Right? I mean, God spoke to him very directly and said, I will be with you. I will be with you like I was with Moses. And, and so now they've had this big defeat against these people. They should have beat soundly. Okay? Um, so he tears his clothes, he, he goes to God and he, he says, what can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? 
Okay, then he brings an interesting twist into it. Um, he says the Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this. They will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? Okay, so he puts it back on God. He says, yeah, we got beat. We got routed. Everybody knows we are associated with you. Okay, we are God's people. Now because this has happened, your reputation is going to be tarnished. So what are you going to do about that, God? Okay, I just offer that so that we can apply it to our own thinking sometimes today. Okay, what's God's response? And what does God say to Joshua? He says, get up. What are you, what are you doing down there? He says, stand up. Man up. Come on. Joshua, he says, Israel has sinned. Okay, they put with them, they have put them with their own possessions, talking about the devoted things that Achan had stolen. And he put them, he brought, he brought those into the camp. Okay, brought it into the Israelite camp, these devoted things, which were supposed to be destroyed, brought it into the camp. One of the versions, I can't remember which one, you might have it out there. I, I kind of like the way it says, it says they have put them with their own stuff. Okay, so they took the devoted things and put it with their own stuff. They brought it in and put it and mingled it in with their, the other things that they have that are, uh, you know, family items and things like that. Okay, they turn their backs and run um, because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. That's pretty direct words from God, right? I mean, he's not, he's not hinting. He's not kind of mincing words. He's not saying, well, I'm thinking about this, Joshua. Okay, I'm contemplating doing this. He doesn't say that. He says, I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. In other words, complete the obedience, Joshua. Okay, there's been some disobedience. Complete the obedience, and then I will be with you. So he gives them guidance to go consecrate themselves and then to identify who has committed the sin in the, in the nation of Israel. He says, you cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. Very specific guidance. Okay, so how is this applicable today? That, that's kind of what happened. That's how people responded to, to this. You know, we need to look at the relationship things in there. Um, this is how people responded. So how is this applicable today? Well, the first part there, our mandate. I, I put that up there. That's kind of uh, the family Bible church, you know, mission. Or, or the kind of things that we look at that we want to do as God's people. And this is from Luke, uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 26 to 28. It says, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? This is Jesus talking, okay? And the young man he's talking to answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your strength, and all your mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus says, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Okay, those are often referred to as the two greatest commandments, okay, and they're the ones that we try to look at as disciples, okay, we're, we all want to be disciples, okay, um, as disciples we try to, to follow these two commandments, love the Lord our God with everything, okay, and then love, the neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes, you know, we need to take a look at that, um, with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and ask ourselves, what does that really mean? 
Okay, because I think a lot of times we look at that scripture, we just say, oh, that means just everything. Okay, and then we move on. But what does everything mean? You know, what, what does that really entail? And, and are there parts of our lives that we have not given over to God fully, that we kind of hold back for ourselves? Remember why Achan stole that stuff is because he coveted them for himself. Okay, are there things in our lives that we kind of hold back for ourselves? And I kind of highlighted with all your mind up there. Okay, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Okay, so is there any corporate sin evident today? Okay, when I look at, at not just Family Bible Church, but the Big C Church, the body of Christ, okay, worldwide, the body of Christ, is there any corporate sin evident today? And I just put some things up there that talks about, again, going back to the mind. All right? Um, the first verse is from Romans 12, 2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay? Being conformed to this world, I think, may be an area where we might be committing some corporate sin. I just throw that out for consideration. Okay? Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Who wants to know what God's will is? I do. Everybody does. We all want to know what God's will is. If we do that first part, then we will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay. The next scripture there from 2 Timothy is, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Okay? They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Okay? And then the last scripture from Colossians. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition, the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. So I put those up there to kind of point out where we may be falling into some corporate sin. Okay, as the church, as God's people, there may be some areas here where we might be falling into some corporate sin. Okay, so what? Um, you know, whenever we, we have a discussion, um, I, I always like to end with, okay, so what? You know, we can, we can talk about this stuff. It can be interesting, you know, it can be, you know, kind of a nice discussion, but so what? You know, does it matter? Is it important? Should we even be paying attention to it? And should we even take it out of this building? Okay, if the answer is no to that, then I've just wasted, when did we start? However long it's been. Okay, I've just wasted all that time. If there is not a so what to this, if there is not something compelling, if there's not an urgency for us to take action and, and uh, change behavior or attitudes or thoughts or behavior or something like that, if it doesn't matter, then I'm wasting your time. And if I'm wasting your time, feel free to grab a cup of coffee or something like that because I won't be offended. Um, but I think there is a so what. Um, I think the church, again, has allowed some of the devoted things in today's culture to infiltrate our thinking. Okay? This is why I, I highlighted serve God with our mind. Okay? We need to be thinking uh, about these things. We, need, we, we can't just check out. Okay? When we say we're people of faith, that doesn't mean that everything we do is just based on blind faith, 
Okay, God gave us a mind with which to think. Um, so we need to be thinking. Um, so consequently, I just put one sample up there uh, from Galatians uh, chapter 5, and it talks about some sin. It says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, um, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Okay, that's a pretty long list, right, of stuff. And, and very often what we do as, as Christians is we'll go through that list and we'll pick them off. We'll go, okay, sexual immorality, I'm faithful. Um, you know, idolatry, nobody does that anymore. Um, and, and then witchcraft, that's like way out there. We're not guilty of that. Uh, and then, you know, we skip over hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, dissension, uh, drunkenness. Okay, I don't have a problem with that. No big deal. So we kind of pick and choose. Orgies, haven't had any of those lately. Okay? So, you know, we kind of pick and choose the things that we think are obvious that we have no issue with. And then consequently lump it all together and figure we're okay. We're good. All right? Move on. Next item. But when you think about it, there are some issues in, in this one list. And this is just one sampling from Scripture. Um, there are some issues in here that we have problems with as a church, okay? As, as a corporate body. You know, sexual immorality. You know, what does that really mean? You know, what has God told us about um, sexual activity? He's told us that that is to happen within the confines and the parameters of a marriage. Okay, that's what he has told us. What do we as the church believe today? Okay, I'm not looking for answers. It's a rhetorical question. But I think you can see where we have maybe cheated a little bit on that one. Okay, we are a little bit more accepting of some things that maybe God is not. Okay, that's just an example. Um, I won't do debauchery because I'm not sure what that means. Um, but uh, idolatry and witchcraft. You know, idolatry we, we look at, you know, well, we don't have any, you know, stone images or, or anything like that. And we don't have any wood carvings that we bow down to. But, you know, there are aspects of our lives that can be idolatrous. Okay, if we're looking at our job as more important than our faith walk, it's an idol. Okay, if we're looking at, you know, making money as something that is more important than serving God with our whole heart, mind, strength, and, and spirit, and everything else, that's an idol. Okay, uh, you know, idolatry can be very insidious, and it can kind of creep in there, and I think that we, the church, maybe sometimes have allowed that to happen. Um, and, and the corporate thing isn't always just the big C church. Sometimes it can be the little C church, family Bible church. Sometimes it can be our family. Okay, if we have incorporated some idolatry in our family, that's corporate sin, right? You know, more than one person is going to pay for that. Um, you know, fits of rage, jealousy, dissensions. Is there any dissension in the big C church? Oh, you bet. You know, we have the whole denominational issue. We have all that stuff going on. Um, you know, there is a lot of dissension. In fact, there is dissension in the Big C Church when we look at how we address these other sins. You know, some denominations are 
uh, more liberal about them and some are more stringent. We you know, judge back and forth, you're right, no, I'm right. There is dissension. So those are problems for us. We need to, we need to pay attention to that. We need to be aware of it when we see it happening. That, that's really the big thing, okay? And I think that uh, intellectual compromise has diluted the power of our message. When we speak to the world, are we called to speak to the world? You bet we are. You bet we are. When we speak to the world, when we um, are not fully obedient to those first two commandments, okay, to the love of the Lord our God with all our strength, all our mind, all our strength, and we don't love our neighbor as ourselves, the power of that message gets diluted. And you've seen it happen, right? You've had people question you and say, well, how can you say that? You know, aren't you a Christian? Right? Anybody had somebody question them on that? You know, the power of our message gets diluted when we allow intellectual compromise, when we allow that devoted thing in the culture to infiltrate our camp, when we bring it in among our stuff, okay, that causes a problem. Um, so, getting back to loving, uh, loving God with, with everything, including our mind, okay, I, I just wanted to make the point there, you know, you don't need to be smart to renew your mind. You don't have to have a big IQ or anything like that to renew your mind. And the reason is because of what God tells us in Scripture. He says, for your thoughts are not, or my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. Okay, so they're right there. We have a hint. Okay, we have a clue that what we think of as smart may not be so much. Okay, because God's ways are not our ways. Our ways are not his. So let's redefine, let's recalibrate what we think of as smart. Um, it says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. There is another clue for us. Okay, what we think of as smart or strong maybe is not so, according to God. Okay, but, this, but it is the spirit in a person, the breath of the Almighty, that gives them understanding. That's from Job. Um, so the spirit is the source of our understanding. When we want to be smart, where do we go? University? No. Do we go to school? No. Do we go to the library? No. We go to God. Okay? The Spirit is what grants us understanding. And then Paul's prayer in Colossians, he says, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Okay? So again, where does wisdom and knowledge and understanding come from? The Holy Spirit. That's where we get that from. Um, bearing in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. And then the last one there, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Okay, is that as clear as the direction God gave to Joshua? Sure it is. If you lack wisdom, ask and it will be given generously. Okay, do we believe that? So that's why I'm saying you don't have to be smart to renew your mind. Okay, you don't have to be um, a whiz kid or an intellectual giant or anything like that to renew your mind. What do you need to do? You need to go to the Holy Spirit. You need to go to God and ask for wisdom. Ask for knowledge. Ask for understanding. And it will be what? Given to you. Okay? So, let's get, let's get over that. Okay, and now when we're talking about wisdom 
and, and knowledge and understanding, are we only talking about wisdom about the Bible? I don't think so. Um, if you recall, Solomon, um, when he prayed to God for wisdom, he was granted wisdom about everything. He was considered the smartest man in the world back then. Okay, so much so that the Queen of Sheba came to visit and ask him questions and see just how smart this guy was. And she asked him all kinds of uh, questions about natural things. You know, so Solomon, why is it that giraffes have such long necks? Okay, and Solomon said, well, because the fruit in the trees they eat is way up high. I don't know if that's what he said. I'm making that up. But the point is that, that um, Solomon was granted wisdom by God about everything, not just how to interpret Scripture, although we get that too. Okay, that's, that's really important. That's very important. But, and I don't want to diminish that, but what I want to say is that it's not limited just to that. We can be smart and have wisdom and understanding about natural things, about things that are going on in the world. Besides, who created it? God did. So who should know about it? God does. Okay, so, so we, we can renew our minds because we can go to the Holy Spirit for understanding and wisdom. Okay? So, what God said to Joshua, okay, if you recall that one, we'll go back. What God said to Joshua, does this have any bearing on us today as a big C church? When he says, one, they have put them with their own possessions. Okay, are there things in our culture that we have put in our own possessions, things that we have brought into the church, things that we have brought into our understanding of the way things work, okay, have we taken some things from the world and brought them in? I think in some cases we have. And if, if we do that, do we turn our backs and run? Okay, when we are confronted by the world, are we able to stand up to them and provide, um, you know, a, an answer to why we have faith and why we believe? It's a rhetorical question. Okay, but God says, I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. Does any of that have applicability to us today as the Big C Church? I think it does. If we are bringing things into our thinking, if we're bringing things into our minds that are not from God, that are instead from our culture or from those other countries around us, like what happened with the nation of Israel. Okay, if you recall at the beginning, I said Israel, and the history of Israel is kind of a, an analogy for, for our lives, for our history as a church, and for our individual lives. What was one of the things that God wanted to protect the people of Israel from? He wanted to protect them from the influence of the nations around them. Okay, because they were pagan nations. They served other gods. And he wanted to preserve them. They were a people called out. Okay, um, and, and so we need to make sure that we understand that and we take that same approach today, that we don't let the nations around us, meaning other cultures, other philosophies, other way of thinking, we don't bring that into our camp. Okay, because if we do, we will not be able to stand against our enemies. We've seen that happen already. Okay, so the bottom line is, this is serious stuff, okay? This is not something to just kind of 
think about and then go about our business and, and, and forget about it. Okay, we need to make sure that we are kept pure, that we keep ourselves pure as, a, as an individual, as families, as churches, and that we understand what God's way is. Um, because if we don't understand what God's way is, we will not be able to be obedient to it, and it will cause problems for us. So, to fulfill the mandate of serving God with our entire being, including our minds, then we need to be aware of what's going on around us and what God's intent is. We need to renew our minds. Okay, Be not conformed to this world, but, uh, but renew your minds. So, that's really all I got. Okay? Um, ancient sin. Kind of compelling. Oh, and, and, you know, the seriousness of that was that Achan and his family were taken out, outside the camp, okay, and stoned and burned and buried and never heard from again, okay? Uh, that's a pretty severe penalty, a pretty severe price to pay for that sin of coveting and disobeying God. Now, I'm not here to, to say that's what we should be doing, okay? But the point is, it's serious. This is serious stuff. It's not to be taken lightly. There will be eternal ramifications for what we do about this. So it's serious. Okay? And that's it. Pray with me if you would. Heavenly Father, um, you are a gracious God. And uh, we, we come to know and understand you by reading your word, and by taking it in, by asking you, Holy Spirit, to grant us wisdom and understanding. And I pray, Father, that we get that wisdom and understanding and we impart it uh, into our lives, into every aspect of our living, into our coming and our going, our rising up, our standing about, that we teach it to our children, uh, and that we are able to uh, use it to serve your kingdom and to, to further your kingdom out there. Lord, I just pray for your people. I pray that, uh, that we would continue to grow and become more like you. And I thank you, Father, for this opportunity today to worship and to come together and do that worship in a corporate way. In Jesus' name, amen.